Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. My name is Michael and we're here tonight for faculty meeting number 160, coming back to D&D. Joining me as always is my co-host Tom. Tom, say hello to everybody. Hello, everyone. Oh, everybody. You said everybody. I hello, did. everybody. I everybody. Hello, okay. everybody. That's right. You're good at following orders. You're very precise like yes. that. So right off the top, hot take, Obi-Wan Kenobi finale, spoiler-free reaction. It was what I wanted. Okay. It was what I wanted. I would compare it favorably to a good role-playing game campaign finale. Not that I've had many of those, but emotionally it worked, even though fundamentally some of the decisions that were made, some of the conveniences, connivances of the plot do not hold up to a lot of scrutiny. But emotionally, I was like, yep, this works for me. I'm happy to have seen it. It hit the right notes if you ever wanted to see what aunt beru would be like with an uzi like this oh is she's the, a badass this is the episode oh i didn't know i needed that but i did yeah owen's not the reason why luke survived it was beru this is beru all right so yeah so we're here for a fact i mean this is going to be a little bit outside we've been doing this sort of look back at the old episodes this is not one of those this is all kind of new stuff uh we've got some questions from um patrons and just People in general we want to answer. We've both got some anecdotal stuff we want to talk about. So just strap in, folks. It's going to be a fun ride. Happy to have you here with us. Uh, We don't have any new patrons for the week. We'd love to change that. So if you'd like to get involved in our Patreon campaign for as little as $3 a month, you get all the cool stuff. Well, you get some of the cool stuff we do. $5 level, you get all the cool stuff. And speaking of that, let's jump in here. What it, we just got back to doing the magic, the magic shop class. You do those weekly. So briefly, what are those? Magic Shop class is I'm working my way through the entire Dungeon Master's Guide, going through every magic item. And I'm not just telling you what that magic item is, because you can read it. I'm telling you how to use it and how I would use it. Because, you know, if I'm being honest, I feel like I use magic items pretty dang well. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. this is also a chance for me to talk about how I would use them if they were in my game. Because I just love magic items. Yeah, so these are short, like five, maybe 10 minutes on the outside, yep. uh, weekly bonus pods that uh, you can listen to again at the $5 and up. And then our patron of the week is Richard Kurtz Landry, RKL himself. Probably one of the first people that jumped on our Patreon many years ago. He's been very loyal to us in that regard. I certainly consider him a friend at this point, not just a patron. Though I seem to do that with most people who listen to the show and hang out with us on Discord and become patrons. They're, they're people I like and I want to hang out with them. RKL, again, has been around for a very long time. He's been a part of a lot of things. Not as active now. Uh, COVID has kind of put a wrench in things. Usually comes to a catacon every year. Don't know if he's going to be able to make it this year. Is a game designer in his own right. He has a, a game that he wrote with two other people that they all met at a catacon. Like Descent into Midnight would not have happened if it wasn't for a catacon. Uh, and they're getting pretty close to actually fulfilling that Kickstarter. And I'm very excited. I, I, I backed that Kickstarter and I'm looking forward to getting my copy. So thank you, RKL. All right. So before we get too far into things, we always like to take a moment to talk about why we're here. The goal of these faculty meetings is at some point in the conversation Tom and I are about to have, there'll be something, some little nugget of wisdom you, dear listener, can pull out, apply in your games at your table to make them more fun for you and your friends. But we understand that the opinions we share and the advice we give may not work at every table every time, but there is one piece of advice that we feel is pretty universal. And Tom, what is that one piece of advice? If you're having fun, you're doing it right. That is correct, sir. So no matter what game you're playing, the system or edition, 
what rules you use, don't use, or misuse. As long as you and your friends are having a good time, you're doing it right. So that out of the way, we're going to kick off the RPG news. So what's been going on in the world of RPG news, Tom? Okay, there's a lot going on. And this is not just stuff that I missed a month ago because I've been following things. Okay, so the big piece that I am so excited for is Backer Kit, which is the kind of Backer Kit's kind of like the back-end fulfillment section that most Kickstarters use. It's not affiliated with Kickstarter at all. Kickstarter at all. It's an extra service that you can use to handle additional payment processing if people want to do add-ons, shipping, uh, and just tracking things. All right, It's a very powerful tool, and most people use it. So, But what BackerKit decided to do was, hey, everybody uses our stuff anyway. Let's go ahead and just do our own crowdfunding. Instead of, you know, everybody doing Kickstarter, then BackerKit, BackerKit announced that they are going to be supporting their own crowdfunding tool. Okay, what makes this even bigger is that they have massive names signed on to this. All right, so, Michael, I don't know if you saw this. Monty Cook's next, uh, their next campaign is going to be on BackerKit, not Kickstarter. That's kind of crazy considering they were kind of the leaders of the big Kickstarter craze. And along with them, you've got Tuesday Night Games, which they make Mothership, Restoration Games, so, you know, the the Dark Tower game that's currently on Kickstarter, Fireball Island, all these older games. They said after Dark Tower, their next game is going to be on Backer Kit. And then also the really big one was Cephalofare, which is the makers of Gloomhaven and Frosthaven, which I think they still have the biggest uh, Kickstarters. Gloomhaven, Frosthaven, these this is not these are not small. I, no, I, these I, are big, big, like they would be big Kickstarters. They're going to be big crowdfunding campaigns. You know, hundreds of thousands, if not into the millions, in some cases for some of these. Yeah, because the people who back Monty Cook Games are Monty Cook fans. The yep. people who back Mothership love Mothership. The Frosthaven, Gloomhaven people are always going to get it. It doesn't matter where it is at this point. Right. They're going to follow where they're at. These are sort of the big fish we talked about when Kickstarter first threw up the blockchain thing and everybody went wild and they're like, this is unacceptable. And people talked about, would it be viable to go to other other platforms, you know, Game On, Game Found, Indiegogo, those types of things. And, you know, I, I wasn't aware that BackerKit was going to do this, but it seems like they already now have the advantage to be yep. the Kickstarter equivalent or the the next thing or to take over or at least take the biggest chunk away. There's yep. like, you know, it's like the, a new contender has stepped into the ring situation. Yeah. And the other, I completely forgot, Leader Games. So Root, I mean, mm-hmm. Oath, like these are huge. So uh, I think what this shows is that uh, the tides are starting to shift. And I think we've started to see this where I think people are getting more comfortable backing games that aren't on Kickstarter and are on other platforms. So BackerKit, I'm sure it's going to be great for the people who are doing the games because they don't have to pay Kickstarter fees, then BackerKit fees. They're mm-hmm. just paying the BackerKit fee. So right. they're being able to pocket more money. From a business standpoint, it's like, why would you not do this? BackerKit has also had the mentality that they always want to change their platform to meet what the people using their platform want, okay? Which is not what Kickstarter's 
that's not been Kickstarter's kind of uh, goals and their, their drive. They haven't really been very community focused, which kind of leads us into the next piece of news. Wait, don't tell me. Kickstarter is trying to be more community focused. Like they even came out with a council recently. That's got to be good news, right? It's kind of. They tried. All right. So they created a community council, but it's extremely underwhelming because of out of like the 16 people, there's only two people that are like associated with games and only one of them is like really into games. And that is the CEO of... Steve Jackson Games. I can't even remember his name right now. I didn't write it down, but you don't need to know his name. He's the CEO of Steve Jackson Games. Is it Steve Jackson, Bob? No, it's not Steve Jackson. Um, Take a shot. Yeah, I mean, it was a good one, but it wasn't. But so you you have the biggest, your biggest market share is board games on Kickstarter. It just is, all right? And you only pick one person from that community and it's the ceo of steve jackson games who really they are not the leaders on kickstarter when it comes to tabletop games and it's just like but this guy he has connections with kickstarter already so so it's just kind of like everybody was just kind of like okay this doesn't change anything right so a big swing and a miss on their end yeah, I don't know. I honestly don't know how Kickstarter is going to recover from this because they had such a stranglehold on yeah. the they for years, all right? And they lost it. And they're not going to get that back again. I mean, everybody's kind of just splintering now. So, it's so funny that the whole idea of blockchain is decentralization of data and what they have done is decentralize uh Crowd table yeah, crowdfunding. So I'm like, this is great. Way to go, guys. <laughs> anyway, that's the that's the uh, big funding news. And since crowdfunding is kind of like the backbone of tabletop RPGs right now and board games, is definitely something to keep your eye on. Because watch Backer Kit for your next uh, game you want. Yeah, so we do the um, our bi-weekly or every other weekly, by fort, night, fortnightly or whatever the hell you, every other week we do a show about crowdfunding campaigns and Kickstarter has been, you know, even still the dominant name, like whenever we cover, because we look at all of them, we look at Indiegogo, GameFound, Game on Tabletop, all that, but probably 95% of all the ones I've talked about in the last eight, 10 episodes have been Kickstarter. And just last week I had two that were not, that was the first time this ever happened. And so I had saw that Backer Kit was going to start doing this. They, I think I must be on a mailing list or something. I got a thing. They wanted me to sign up. Let me say, it was a hassle to sign up their platform. Like I, because apparently I had signed up once before because someone else did a Kickstarter and I had to sign up to get my rewards. And I don't remember what the hell my passwords were. My computer didn't remember my password for me. So I had to like go through three or four different cycles of like asking to reset my password, resetting the password going to sign in, them saying that wasn't my password, even though I just reset it to that. And it was very frustrating, frustrating, but I did finally get on the platform. So I will be checking it out going forward for all of our um, TTRPG crowdfunding episodes. Next piece of news is was brought to me on a Discord from a friend of the show, Foxblade. Uh, you may know him as Grant. Basically pointed out that Roll20 and One Bookshelf are teaming up to bring the DMs Guild content to Roll20 and vice versa. So the big thing is, uh, and Grant uses 
uh, gets a lot of stuff from DMs Guild, so I'm sure he's mm-hmm. jazzed about this because there's a lot of Roll20 exclusive adventure modules. So now the, they teamed up to make it easier for creators to then sell that content on DMs Guild. So if you're somebody who's like, oh, that's a cool adventure, but I don't use a Roll20. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, hopefully, uh, if that creator decides to, they can now take that and put it on the DMs Guild. And then vice versa, they can take DMs Guild modules that they've done and create them and Roll20. And there's a lot of work to do it that way. Right. But uh, it's now something that can be done. So I think what this is doing is it's just kind of it's kind of loosening up some things because DMs Guild has a very, very strict, basically, publisher conduct guidelines. Right. So this is just if they okay it, you can now do it. So it's interesting. Uh, Roll20 had a big update recently, fixed a bunch of UI stuff. So they're trying um, very hard. Because just like Kickstarter and crowdfunding kind of becoming more decentralized, it's almost like every month there's a new virtual tabletop coming out now. So, uh, yeah. So it'll be interesting interesting to see how this goes. So do you think there's a reason why these types of moves are coming together? I mean, BackerKit basically breaking away from Kickstarter. And then one we saw that basically... D&D Beyond and Roll20 combined and then Roll20 and one bookshelf. Like, is is this just nature of the business and it's just that's where it came around? Or has something changed? Because it seems like there's a big, a lot of seismic shifting announcements and changes have rolled out in a short period of time. Yeah, I think what's going on right now is I think that there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of new people coming into the industry, like industry people, people from not that aren't in the tabletop RPG industry. Like we're talking like publishing people, uh, video game people, uh, web development people, people who aren't in and are bringing in fresh ideas. And I think that's what we're seeing. Uh, And also I think that we're seeing a continual upshift um, in the number of people who've been playing games. I know there's a massive uptick during COVID, but I think people are continuing to see growth. So they're trying to just be creative and, I think roll for the roll 20 thing, I think they're doing everything they possibly can to solidify them as the premier virtual tabletop. And a lot of people have, I mean, whether you like it or not, DMs Guild is the largest repository of, you know, D&D content that is like almost user created. Mm-hmm. So you got you have a built-in audience there. So joining them up to roll 20 it gives them added legitimacy sure so that's what that's what i think i think backer kit is just like backer kit saw kickstarter bleeding and was just like heck yeah let's get in on that went for the for the kill yeah it was easy that was simple that was so simple so they had to do no they didn't have to do a whole lot of heavy lifting there <laughs> so uh well i will say that the catacomb kickstarter is, is still our campaign still gonna be on kickstarter because i'm not gonna try to change it this year but i'm still trying to figure out what i'm gonna do with action 12 cinema and if it does go to a crowdfunding i may not go to kickstarter with that one we will have to wait and see that would also solve my can't do two at one time uh situation because kickstarter won't let me do that so if we do end up deciding to do action 12 cinema in the august september time frame i could do one on backer kit one on kickstarter yeah i'd definitely be curious to see how backer kit works i think i think the um 
you can't judge everything by how the big companies do because sure. they have their built-in audience. But I think if Monty Cook can, if they can still get close to their Kickstarter numbers there, I think then that tells you that, hey, people aren't, Kickstarter is not the common denominator anymore. It's mm-hmm. how good is your mailing list. So Yeah, which I don't have a great one. So that's definitely something. I just, I'm not good at that stuff. Like I need yeah. someone to do that for me because I just, I'm not, You'll that's not who I am, but can't afford to pay somebody to do it and can't expect somebody to do it for free. So I'm kind of stuck. Okay. Uh, next piece of news, since we're still talking about DM Skilled and One Bookshelf, let's talk about One Bookshelf. They just released their new publisher conduct guidelines. Okay. That sounds boring. It does sound boring, but it's important to know because it kind of tells you that these companies are just corporations that care about themselves. So uh, the One Bookshelf, uh, they released their new uh, guidelines, and it's not great. Okay. okay. What these guidelines do is they basically give publishers the rules to use their platform. And typically, if you want people to use your platform, you need to make it as easy as possible for them to use your platform. It's this whole idea of same thing that happened with Netflix recently, where Netflix just said, hey, we're going to start testing uh, running ads, or we're going to start testing doing password sharing restrictions. And that made them lose even more people. Whenever you start to restrict how the people who use your platform can use your platform, it just people don't like that. And so one bookshelf decided that they were going to release some new community guidelines. And I'm going to cherry pick my favorite ones, okay? Uh, Trade dress, okay? So what this means is that they want everybody's product to look a little bit different. That's just nonsense if you look at the DMs Guild and you see how many books actually just... They look like the same thing. They look the, the exact same thing. So it's like, what are you guys even thinking? Even if they didn't intentionally make this, like... All these people now in DMs Guild are not going to be following the community, the publisher conduct guidelines, all right? right? Release schedule. All right, now we're getting into some real shady territory here. So if they say, if you ex- if you expect to put your title on DriveThruRPG or DMs Guild and you put it on another store, like your website or Itch, they mm-hmm. say they expect you to put it on the DMs Guild or uh or d or the whatever why am i blanking or drive through drive through rpg within 24 hours so they're like you put it so it's basically like this whole idea of like you can't sell it in two places which is like you don't own this content like what do you Mm -hmm. you can't tell me what to do pricing they say that they expect uh fair treatment of pricing on your titles so they want you to price your titles as low on their marketplace as you do everywhere else. So let's say you post it on itch for 15 bucks. Okay. But mm-hmm. on itch, you get all of that money. All right. So, but then on drive through RP or on DMs Guild, they take half of that. Right. So you post it on DMs Guild for 20, 25. They don't want you to do that. Mm-hmm. All right. Even though you're going to be getting less, they're like, you must put it for the same price. And then links. If they say if you post, if you put your stuff on their website, they want you to put their website link on your own website. It's just Ooh. like, well, what if I don't? I don't want to put a a website link to 
one bookshelf or drive through RPG if I'm publishing anything on your it's just it's what they're it's just they're being very restrictive yeah. with anybody who wants to use it and it's just I don't know it's it's people like it they're do, it's the same thing with Kickstarter it's it, they're they don't understand who's using their platform yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the pushback to that is and if they come out and say, well, we're just kidding about this one or if they're going to try to really enforce it and then, you know, see what happens after that. Yeah, I mean, well, it was kind of the whole thing where like Cortex released their OSR or, or, or they're not their OSR, you know, their, their SRD mm-hmm. uh, last year. And then people were like, yeah, this sucks. I'm never going to write for Cortex. And so Cortex came back and said, oh, yeah, we messed up here. We wrote, rewrote it. So. Yeah. But that's, so, I mean, that's, that's what you want to have happen is, yeah. you know, I'm sure there were people that were involved in writing that, that more from the legal side that weren't from the gaming community who didn't really quite get what they were, you know, was, they were just thinking of like corporate culture and then it didn't work. And they're like, you know what, our bad, we'll fix it. I have absolute respect for that, even though they might've intentionally or initially made a misstep, then for someone just to double down and be like, no, that's what it is. Just deal with it when it's completely clearly not the right thing to do. So absolutely. Uh, that, that's a tip, uh, in, in my, of my hat to those people. Yep. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of negative on them because I'm already salty on DMs Guild and one bookshelf, but, mm. uh, that's my personal opinions are now leaking through into this <laughs> news segment. Okay. Um, it's good news. Okay. So anyway, that's the news. Uh, we got any Akatakan news? Anything? Uh, so nothing major other than I got the dice in today. The dice uh, are major. They're nice. They're very nice looking. I'm really happy with how they turned out. Uh, they fit the X theme that we were going for very well. And uh, they're pretty. I got them in. I'm excited. And I did follow up on the poker chips. There was a little bit of a snafu with those, but they are now in production. Should still have them plenty of time for the event. Okay, yeah, no, I love these dice so much because I need high contrast stuff to, in mm. order to really read it right. And so these are high contrast dice and it's good. Okay, yep. let's move into some new topics. Well, no, I want to do Action 12 as well. Oh, I completely forgot about that. But you do have updates. I do, a couple of quick things. So the second revision is done and Tracy is about to move into layout. So again, this is still an Ashcown version. It's not going to be the prettiest layout in the world, but it's going to be a book that is edited and laid out and I can start shopping it around again to various publishers. If I decide to go on to crowdfunding, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be in enough of a condition that I can do that. There's no interior art currently. That's one of the big things I want the crowdfunding for is I want to put quite a lot of art in it if I can. So I'm just very, very excited at that part. And then I also just yesterday or the day before, I got a play test report back of someone who comes to Catacon every year, Andrew. He's, he, I think he played it with me. I think he played it with me once. And then he asked me to see if he could run it for his home group. And he did. Now, I say that the game works best for like three to six. He played it with eight. So that was pretty interesting off the top that it was much bigger group than I have ever ran it for. And um, normally the setup phase takes about an hour to an hour and a half. He said it took them over three hours, but they all had a blast doing it. So no one was upset that it was taking a long time. They absolutely thoroughly enjoyed that. And then the actual play time took about four hours, which is about right. And they loved it. Absolutely. They, you know, they had some thoughts and feedback. Mostly they want more dice. They want me to just double everything instead of using two, use four. Instead of using four, use eight. 
but overall, they said everyone had a great time, very supportive, very positive feedback. And again, this was the first ever, I had nothing to do with it. I, I sent them the packet and they ran it based off the rules as I had written them. And it seemed to went really, really well. So I'm extremely excited about that. I'm down for doubling the dice. Just the problem is that messes with the math of everything being 12 based. Like all the complications have 12 points. Mm. I would have to double them to 24 to keep the math right. And I kind of want to keep it at 12. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. We'll do uh, version two. Again, there, that could be the expanded um, yeah. edition, deluxe edition. Everything's doubled. Yeah. X, action 12 cinemas extra with like an X. Or just X, action 24 cinema. And it's just everything's 2D12. Just okay. take every 12 and double it. There, You're done. Eight, done. Okay. <laughs> cool. Okay. So that's all of our updates. So we both have been... I, you know, we've been playing games, and when you play games, you got stuff to talk about. That's right. All right. So I have stuff to talk about, and I know you've got some stuff to talk about. So, Michael, uh, where were you, and what did you just do? Okay, so this was this was a big deal for me. I feel like if there's anything that people actually listen to the show anymore for, it's that I try to be very open about things and honest and just forthright. And, you know, I, I try to be as real as I can. And that means sometimes I get emotional about stuff and I try to share things that make me happy or that kind of stuff. So a few months ago, I got into a text thread chain with my three original D&D buddies, Brandon, Bill, and Joe. If you've listened to the podcast for all, you've heard me say their names before. They were my original group. We started playing when we were roughly 12 years old. And I, I have such fond memories of those games, even though I'm sure I was terrible. We were all, we were all terrible. We did terrible things. I would be embarrassed if anyone could hear the stuff that we did then, but we had fun. It was a formative experience for me. So over the last few years, I have broached the subject of playing again with Brandon specifically a couple of times. And he's always just been, no, like not mean about it, but just like, I have no interest. I have no interest. I have no interest. So anyway, so we got in this text chain with, uh, with those guys again, and it just sort of like very quickly, spontaneously, people were like, you know, we should do so. We should get together for a weekend or something. So me being Michael, who again, took an, a wild hair and created a catacomb and got a wild hair and created the podcast, got a wild hair, now have a game about to come out. I just went on Airbnb and I was like, I, I found us a cabin. Can you do this date or this date? And within like 20 minutes, we, I had reserved an Airbnb so we would actually do this thing and it wouldn't just become a thing we talked about. So we, it happened this past weekend. I got together with my, my three best friends from my childhood and we spent a weekend hanging out at the cabin. We played cornhole. We cooked a giant freaking steak, the biggest steak I've ever had. Uh, just, it was great. And I, I told everybody I was going to bring a bunch of games and I specifically did not bring D&D because I didn't want to make Brandon the bad guy. Because I, I knew Joe would play. I talked about this recently. I got to go to a local convention with Joe and his son, and we all played Pathfinder together, and we had a great time. It was wonderful. So I knew Joe would be down to play, but I didn't know about Bill, and I feel like Brandon would be no. So I didn't bring d and I brought a bunch of other games. Well, on Saturday, we're playing games we've been playing. Like, we played Jenga a couple times. We played, like, Marvel Splendor, Marvel Legendary. And Brandon goes, you know, we should play D&D this weekend. <laughs> and I was just like... Uh, dude, like I didn't bring it because I thought you would say no and I didn't want to make you the bad guy. He's like, oh, you should have brought it because I think I'd play. And then I looked at Bill. I was like, would you play? He's like, yes. Yeah. I said, all right, well, damn it, let's go to Walmart. 
So we drove to Walmart and I bought a starter set, even though I have like four over here on my shelf. Yeah. And we went back and we used the pre-gens from the starter set. And I ran Dragon Spine from memory. I didn't have any notes whatsoever. And I did make a few mistakes. But we played for about three hours. And it was the best freaking time. They were all laughing and just having a great time. And like, it even makes me like, I think there's a deeper discussion to be had than today. But there were so many things that I do as a DM that I realize are directly because they were the first people I played with. And there were like things that I've ran that adventure, I'm going to guess two to three dozen times with different groups. And there would be things that like I would throw out a little like nugget. And I've seen other groups like try to figure out what it is. Some of them get it, some of them don't. But every time they were like, I know what that is. And I don't know if it's because they know me, because I feel like I've changed a lot as a DM. And nothing major, but just like little things that I would throw out. And they just, they knew exactly what to do. They were picking up on my cues. And again, I just, I, my heart grew three sizes that day. I cannot tell you. And it wasn't even the best game I ever ran. It wasn't the best game I've ever been in. But those three dudes with me running, them having a great time, and... I don't have you ever played Dragon Spawn? Have ever ran you through I it? Oh, I did. I played it at that one sketchy convention that was in the barn in Ohio. Where where I don't even remember where that was. CincyCon. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah, CincyCon, not CincyCon, CincyCon. Yes. Okay. So I I believe it's the same because it's it's changed a little bit over the times. So but basically it ends on not necessarily a cliffhanger, but it ends like a part two. Like you, you solve the problem and then you're tasked with going back and finishing the job. And then that's where I cut it. I'm like, okay, you know, but that's a story for another time. The idea being eventually like, like whoever played, they would then finish it themselves. And Bill's like, so we're going to play part two tonight, right? I don't want to wait another year before I figure out how this game ends. And I'm like, sorry, Bill, you have to pick that up next time. Cause there is no part two. I've never written a part two. That's the whole point is it ends with your, the DM is you're supposed to then become the DM. But again, what better, uh, you know, praise can you get than someone being like, as soon as it's over, like, when do we play again? Yeah, that's a good feeling as a, as a, as a DM, because you feel like you did your job. Yeah. So I got to ask you that a few things. We got to break this stuff down. Okay. Let's break how far, down. How, how far did you have to travel to find a Walmart? Uh, not too far. Like we were in Somerset, Kentucky, and we went out for lunch while we were out. So we made like a little trip of it. It was like a 20 minute drive each way to get to the Walmart. So do you all live? I know you're you're in Southern Kentucky. Are they from Southern Kentucky too? Yeah, we all like we were all friends because we all lived within like a stone's throw of each other, basically. So we were all uh, well, Brandon knew Joe and Bill knew Joe because they all went to one school. I went to a different school. But I moved to where they live. I was supposed to go to the school they went to, but I just didn't want to. So I still went to the one that I you know, had friends at. But I lived like a 10-minute walk from Brandon, like a 15-minute walk from Bill. And they both knew Joe. So we just all sort of became friends. And like we just basically, we hung out every moment of every day that we could from the time I was roughly 12 until we left for college. Whoa. Okay. Gotcha. So do you... You said you played D&D with Joe, not D&D, Pathfinder with yep. Joe. All right. So, and then, so did the other guys, do you, had they not played anything? As far as I know, Bill has not played since the last time he and I played together, which would have been in high school. I think maybe like sophomore, 
junior year, basically. So we're talking like 30 years, basically, since he's played. Brandon and I played a couple times in college together, but he didn't really care for it a whole lot. Uh, So it's probably been like 20, 25 years since he's played. So what was that like going from like, what do you guys play like third edition or something? Uh, Well, no, this was like, we started with basic, then we went to advanced, then we went to second edition advanced, and then we never, so they they were not playing by the time third edition came around. So Brandon may have played one game, like that last time we played together, I actually think it was third edition. So did they pick up the rules pretty quickly? Well, I did the same, I did it as if I was teaching someone brand new, like I always do, I say, this is the 20-sided dice, this is what you're going to roll most of the time, higher numbers are better. And like, yep. that's, that was what I told them before we started playing. And then I would just tell them like, you need to roll perception. I'd show them on the character sheet where it was. So it was a very basic, but as far as like tactics and like how they went about solving problems or getting into combat, they were very, they, they, they fell back into their old roles and they were all very tactical about it. Uh, but as far as like the mechanics, I, I, I carried all that. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and you didn't run part two. There is no part two. There, that could have been, Michael, you could have then started working on another writing project well, right I, then. Because I don't have, uh, you know, it's not as if I don't have enough irons in the fire. But I will say, we all had a great time just overall the whole weekend. Absolutely. Yeah. A plus experience will do again. And if we do end up doing it again, I might write a part two just to continue that story. So that that may be why Dragon Spine has a part two is because of that. Do you think these guys are, they had fun. Yeah. Do you think any of them are like, it's it's obviously different than a lot of people who have fun and that's great. But then there's like people who are like, oh, that was great. I'm going to go, I want to do this by myself now. Do you think any of them have that? Do you think any of them got the bug? So, so Joe kind of already does because his son is hardcore wanting to play. His son's like nine, I think. Um, and he's the one that's got Joe back into it because I don't know how he found out about it, but he's been asking, He's they've been buying him the books. They've been trying to kind of play on their own, which is why I invited him to that convention. So, so Joe and I have already made plans. We're going to get together again and play with our kids in like a, a game, but I'm interested to see if Brandon or Bill, cause we still have the text chain. We, you know, we, we, we just kind of like our discord. We like send each other memes and funny shit. I'm interested to see if either one of them brings up like, you know, could we play again or what would I need to do as of yet? That hasn't happened, but it, it's literally Tuesday, I got back from camping with him on Sunday. So it's been two days. And I actually don't think we've, other than, hey, I'm home, I'm safe. I don't think we've texted since. I gotcha. Did you tell me you have a, do they know you have a podcast? I know Brandon and and Joe know. I don't know if Bill does. Bill's kind of the odd duck out. Um, He's not as active as the rest of us are um, in, you know, just in general. But he is definitely like we've all had changes in our life. He's had some pretty big changes in his life. And now that I'm back in Corbin, like we're all almost practically neighbors. Um, You know, he's come up and helped me with a couple of yard work projects. He's he's a good old boy, you know, type of a guy. So maybe I I would I would be down to clown around if they text me like, hey, do you want to run a campaign? F yeah, let's do it. I'll make it happen. Okay, that's cool. So hopefully Sun comes with that. I'm sure you'll keep us posted. Absolutely. Okay, so next topic. Next thing I really wanted to talk about is, so we started our our new campaign for yep. the stream. Right, you we had did a streaming our... of Session Zero last week. Take a drink. Yeah, there it goes. All right, so, uh, and it was it, it was interesting because it was different. Because I 
run our games. Mm-hmm. All right. I have literally been running games nonstop for the last six years. All right. I when we moved recently, that was the biggest break. But I have literally been running a game every week for the last six years. Okay. That's a so, long time. It's a long time. Different campaigns, different things, one shots here and there. And we were started playing this and what made this so ter- I'm not running. I'm being mm. a player. All right. There was just it felt different and I didn't know why. And then I was like, oh, Jake is running the game. I don't need to try <laughs> to like make sure that things are going well or that things are, you know, progressing any of this stuff, Jake is doing that. And at first, I was like, I was really driving the questions for our session zero, because the session zero is not like running the game. Then Jake kind of just stepped in, and he was talking. And Jake's, um, I, I, one of the things we kind of always joke about is that I, I d- would never be a player in a game because I never would trust anybody <laughs> to run a game for me. All right, Jake's like one of the few people that I would ever let like I would play in his game and feel like I would still have an amazing experience. So I'm just, and I'm like sitting there, I'm like, this is great. I'm not having to do any work. I'm getting able to like, I'm like, Jake is entertaining me. I'm like throwing stuff out there. You know, I'm thinking mm-hmm. about my, the character I want to play. And it was just like, it was refreshing. And I realized then that I am burnt out. Mm. It was, it was just this, it was this realization because it wasn't that I, I have fun running the games. Okay. Um, I will a bit pull back the curtain a little bit. I was, Ghost of Saltmarsh was so much fun, but near the tail end of there, I was getting done. I was, I was kind of, I was like, I want this to, I need this to end. I just wasn't, I wasn't feeling it anymore. It was feeling more like a chore. There was a, and then. Uh, there was a stretch a few weeks ago with Forbidden Lands that was starting to feel a little rough. And I was just like, Ugh, I want to get through this part. Why do my players keep wanting to go shopping and manage their resources? And I'm like, oh, that's part of the game. Um, and we finally got out of the city and we're back in the wilderness and I'm fun with it. But this was just, this was a different style of fun that I had when we were playing. I was like, I want to keep on playing. Like, when we get done, like, when I get done running a game, I'm like, all right, that was it. That was fun time, guys. You know, we'll hang out for a little bit. But this, I was like, let's keep on going, you know? Tell me more about your character. And I don't know. I've never done, I've actually never played as a player in a long campaign. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Never done it. And so I am very excited for this because I feel like this is going to be a break that I need. I don't have to prep stuff anymore i just got to make sure the stream is good so i don't have to worry about prepping two campaigns just one campaign uh it was yeah i don't know i i I don't know i wanted to ask you like what have you been burnt out before with games and what absolutely like what was that like do you know like what was the last time like well i can realize when i start not feeling bad if i cancel like I still don't cancel, but it like, so like if I'm sick or if work got in the way or something, and then I would be like actually relieved. Like, oh, yeah. okay, I don't, that's when it's like, okay, clearly I'm not in the right headspace. 
And like, I think I'm a pretty good DM. Like, absolutely. I do believe that. I think that if you sit at my table, you will probably have a good time. But I know I'm not the best DM in the world, right? But I still have yet to have someone run a game for me like I would run a game. And I want that. I want someone to run a game that I would be run Like, same experience I would provide to you, I want you to provide me. And I've yet to have that. And I think that's the campaign that I would be able to play in, like, for a long time. But even games that I enjoy, usually after a little while, I'm like, okay, I want to, I want to run again, like, because there's, there's just something happening that's not the way I would have done it. Or sometimes it's like better, and I'm like, oh, that's inspired me. You did something really cool. Now I want to take that and kind of make my version of it. So that's almost always my, my way to get out of a DM burnout is just to play for a little while, and I find pretty quickly that I'm ready to get back into the DM chair. Yeah, I think this is going to be a. I don't think what I was doing was healthy because running so many games and I was getting to the point like you where I was like, oh, oh, we got to cancel this Wednesday. I was like, oh, no, thank you. I can just now sit down and read some comics or watch right. TV. And it's like you get free time back. Yes. It's like a free, it's like a sick day of school or something or or work. It's like, I'm canceling. I have four hours to do. I'm like, I don't have a schedule these four hours. I can do whatever I want these four hours. And it's kind of cool feeling. Yeah. And so what really, I was thinking about this because I'm just so like, just doing one session zero as the player was just like, it gave me so much energy to play games like we're going to be doing a beam saber trial soon i get to play in that and i'm so excited i started making my character reading the book i'm like i'm jazzed for it and then even like my forbidden land session tomorrow like one of my players isn't gonna isn't gonna be able to show up tomorrow and so we i only have four people in my game so when we get down to three i kind of ask everybody i was like oh so and so can't come do we really want to play i didn't even give them that that option this week i was like god i didn't even tell them i they don't even know they don't even know that there's only gonna be three tomorrow because i was doing my prep and i'm like i'm super excited to play and it was just kind of like this mentality of like oh what i like so I think what I running two games was not healthy for me. So going to playing in a game and then running a game, I think is going to be a much better balance. So we, we'll need to check back in on that at some point to see how it's going, like, you know, four or five sessions in. How are you feeling about things right then? Yeah, we'll see. Me and Jake, we we have the tendency to butt heads a lot when mm-hmm. he's run he's playing and when he plays in my games it's just and so now i'm super excited to be on the flip side and to be able to just push him because that's what he does he says that he like does things in order to you know challenge my dming chops he says he'll never push me too far like he's always got like a little um like he's always like trying to make things up in the story to see how i handle them and it's all cool stuff right. but i'm like dude Quit challenging me creatively. Just let me do this. And so yeah. now I'm going to be whole cloth making up lore in this game. Just like, <laughs> and we'll see how he handles it. But uh, I don't know. I would encourage anyone, like you were saying, I think that's a really good judgment of if you don't want to play and if it's a relief, maybe just stop. Just don't. Or and just see if you take a short break, you know, like right before it die, before the campaign dies, say, you know, cut off the branch. Like, hey, I need like two or three weeks, no playing. 
Maybe we do a board game night instead. Maybe do a video game night, movie night. Like still get people together if you can. Because I I think when you start messing up the schedule, it's easier for things to break. But take that pressure off of yourself to be the person that provides. Because I'm that personality type. I'm the provider type. I like when people come to my house. I will cook for them. I will set up the games for them. I will run the games, you know, as an RPG. I do enjoy that. But it can also become a draining experience. So if you find yourself, again, it's just like we say at the end of every episode now, if you find yourself not having fun doing the things that are supposed to be fun, you need to check. Something's off. And it could be a mental health challenge or it could just be that you're burnt out and you need a little bit of a break. Take care of yourself. Self-care is very important. And make sure, because it's supposed to be fun. And if it stops being fun, that is a problem. Yeah, for sure. Definitely have somebody else run a game, do a one shot, something different. Because I guarantee like just doing this mix mix up like this is going to do, I think it's going to do wonders for the games that I'm going to be running. Mm-hmm. So to have that different experience is going to be good. So I do want to circle back quickly because I thought of something that uh, a kind of an observation I had that whenever I run Dragon Spine, it's almost always for people who've never played before or haven't played in a while. They're pretty new. Like that's what it's designed to do when I run it at conventions. I'm very clear. This is for like someone trying to learn how to play the game. And one of the things I start off every time I'm like, you are heroes. Okay. In this game for today, you are the good hero people. You are going to save people. You are going to put your life in danger for other people who you don't know and who may not be able to pay you a reward. Like That's just like a baseline assumption. You are heroes. And it is very clear that the reason I do that is because of Brandon, Bill, and Joe. Because right away, they kept being like, well, I don't care about these people. Like, you know, they're like, there's one of the big set pieces of the adventure is you basically run into someone about to ambush someone else. And they're like, well, let's just see how this plays out. And I'm like, you're the hero. (laughs) No, like I I didn't quite say no, but I was like, remember, you're the hero. So I sort of goaded them into actually stopping it before it happened. But they were just going to like wait and see how it plays out and then just see what happens after. And I was like, you're heroes. <laughs> like you're the good guys. Remember that. Just do it. Just do it. Just, Just be the heroes. That's so funny. Yeah, Jake. That's the kind of stuff that I'm saying. That's the kind of stuff that Jake will do. Like he'll know. <laughs> like because he's a DM, he'll know that I have like a set piece. Like like you were saying, like a like a bandit's like ambushing some people or attacking some people. He knows like oh Tom planned for this, and as a DM, he kind of knows like okay this is how he probably meant for this to go, and he would do totally do that. Hey guys, let's just stand back here and yeah. see how this goes. I'm like. Why? Just do it. Just yeah. just do it. I mean, so. and there's a point where that's fun, but there's also a part where that would move into jerk territory. And I would yeah. tell people, Isn't, don't do that. Like, do the opposite of that. If you're also a game master and you're like, you can tell where the game is supposed to go, charge right in. Make it easy on your DM for that reason. Like, do exactly what the plot wants you to do so that you can get to the fun stuff. Like, like I get there is a bit of almost like brotherly, like, I almost yeah, see if yeah, I can yeah. mess with you. And as yep. long as it doesn't cross a line, sure. But also sometimes just bite the hook, open the door, kick down the, you know, sign up for the job that you know that you're supposed to sign up for. Your job as a player is to do the adventure. So sometimes just, just do the adventure. Well, payback. I killed his character recently, so that was cool. Um, so that was fun. It was a good yeah. night. All right. So uh, anyway, uh, yeah, that's our topics. Uh, lots to think about right now. Yep. We so. have a couple questions we're going to get to, and then we'll wrap things up. So we'll start with Mo's question. So uh, Mo Poplar, he's been on the show a couple times in our Discord. Also, I'll mention he has just volunteered to do some editing for the show. 
and he's actually doing some uh, sound effect stuff. So the the most recent um, the sample adventure for the tunnels and temples and tombs one Christopher Gray ran for us. He's actually I've, I'm editing the episodes and he's going back in and he's layering in like sound effects of like you know traps Ooh. and stuff on. So when that actually comes out audio only, you're going to hear his cut. He just wants some practice and volunteered, and I said of course, um, and he's doing a really good job. So anyways, Sweet. so he asked on our Discord. Uh, if we have any experience with free RPG day, RPG day, and did either of us participate this year? Uh, so I'll go first and say I have participated in the past. I don't have a good game store where I am now. I'm in Southeast Kentucky. I think I have two game stores around me, but they are by far used video game, Pokemon, um, and comic book stores, both of them. And they, they kind of have some RPGs too. Um, I wasn't able to go because this was the weekend I went camping, but I I've gone previous years and they didn't have like anything so i don't have anything much and then there was a game store in cincinnati one of the more bigger more popular but they kind of burn bridges with me i don't really particularly care for them anymore so i uh, was not very impressed with their offerings and just stopped going to them but you however got to participate this year so do you have any positives we can talk about uh yes and no i think the pause there was some there it was it was just it was very light this year uh typically you have uh renegade doing uh a lot of stuff um then you have obviously i don't think watsy had anything so yeah in I, in the years past i've passed i've gotten things from paizo Paizo and usually it's like stuff. independent, low, small. I think I got like a free Kids on Bikes copy like three years ago at one. Yeah, so, um, th- yeah, that's what I'm saying. So that is a Renegade Games. They usually do something. They didn't really this year. What Renegade did, which is actually one of the things I picked up, was they gave out these folders. It wasn't even a game. It was a folder. Mm-hmm. Just like a simple cardstock folder. And it was for uh, the... Uh, for the Power Rangers role-playing game. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, this is cool. It's got cool art. I'm actually going to put all my Power Rangers board game rules in it. Uh-huh. Um, the, uh, just, it was really light this year. I mean, that's that's what Renegade did. So, uh, But probably the, the other one that I picked up, the only real RPG I picked up, was called A Familiar Problem. Uh, so I was looking at this. I was like, this looks like a Grant Howitt. RPG, but it says it's published by Darrington Press, who is the Critical Role uh, company. Uh, turns out Grant Howitt did make the game, and he published it with Marisha Ray. Okay, so uh, one of the cast of Critical Role. Yeah. Uh, and I've, I, I kind of find this funny. I would really like to know what chunk that Darrington Press actually really was involved in how much of it was just Grant Howitt mm. just wrote it, which is fine. I'm sure he got a nice paycheck for that and good for it. I'm that's awesome. So, but like, and then he, they just got to put their name on it. I don't know. Uh, this is just me speculating, put him on my tinfoil hat, but I picked it up. I love one page RPGs. It's a really nice card stock. So I'm going to actually wind up playing this. Level one, uh, I also grabbed this. They do these indie RPG anthologies mm-hmm. that are super cool. I haven't had a chance to grab it, to look through it yet, but I just picked it up. Uh, but then you had your other, your classics, like DCC had one. Uh, Root 
has had one uh, for a while, so they did another one this year. But it was pretty light. And, I mean, I would, there wasn't anything I was, like, going to grab that was, like, super exciting. Right. So, I mean, I think in years past there have been things that I was like, oh, I, I need this because it's usually, like, a preview of a game that's coming out. Yeah, I, at least, if, like, four or five years ago, I remember it kind of being a big deal. And I, I don't know if this is necessarily, like, a COVID-related thing or it's co- combined with that. There's just not as many people maybe going to game stores right now. But it seems like the last couple of years have been very slight on the free rpg day yeah it was definitely definitely slight um then they obviously had a few uh exclusive items like dice and dice jails and things which those are usually like the first things people grab i have no i don't want those kind of things because i'm not big into like accoutrement Mm -hmm. um the so i mean but i like i said i so i got the power rangers (laughs) RPG folder that is currently hosting all of my Power Rangers board game <laughs> rules, and then I grabbed a familiar problem. Nice. So, well, if you get a chance to play that, maybe we'll, maybe we can play it on the show sometime. I'd like. To I, I it'd be a perfect uh, show game. Nice. So, um, yeah, that was free RPG day this year. Great. Uh, and then we got a question from DM Disco Dan. This is actually quite a while ago. We kind of we wanted to wait till we had time to like really give it its due. And we've, we've sort of touched on it before. Uh, but Dan was wondering if we could talk a little bit about how we take our notes, either prepping for a game, or I think specifically they mentioned like in the game, when something happens, how do you make sure that you keep up with it and remember it and roll it into the, to the next time. I've talked about this quite a lot. I, my note card method, I, all my campaign prep I do before the game starts, I have this color coded note system that I use. I know there's, electronic versions that will probably do it easier, but that's how I like to do them. I have all my notes on, on cards. And then just as the game is happening, I, basically almost the only thing I have behind my DM screen these days is blank note cards. Like that's probably 80% of what I have. I have dice, I have a pencil or a pen, I have a bunch of note cards. And maybe if I have, like if there's a dungeon or something I've mapped out, but for the most part, I'm just making stuff up as we go based off of what we did last time and what I've mentally prepped for and so i just take notes on note cards or i edit note cards like i already have one for a person and they have a really positive encounter like if they save them from like bandits i'll make a little note that they have a more of a positive outlook than they did before that kind of thing um so what about you do you have anything specific you would mention to dan on prepping or during the game oh one other thing i'll mention is almost all my games now are recorded so i get to listen back to them while i'm editing them and that's really handy and i know i've said this before but if you can record your games not necessarily for podcasting but just record them it is great to go back and listen it won't it'll make you much better dm because you can hear everything you're doing well and you can hear places where you've you know got opportunities but then you have everything down so you, if you're like i made up a name of an npc you're gonna have that if you have a like a specific voice you created for an npc you can hear it very handy record your games if you can't so sorry tom what about you what, what would you suggest for dan first that note card thing sounds terrible oh, i would lose what? I would lose note cards. I need everything to be super organized. Oh, oh man. But hey, people people do knowledge differently. That's so, right. All right. So I am very specific about my note taking. Okay. I uh, have two methods. All right. So two things that I do. All right. One is prepping for my game. 
and how I prep for my game is I've tried different things in the past. I tried using like some sort of digital tool for prepping my game. And I found that doesn't work for me because I'm like, I need my notes. I need it right in front of me. So if I don't like to have my computer in front of me, I don't like to, my iPad I use for doing music and sound effects. So that's kind of, I have a soundboard up for that. So I have for years have been going ahead and I use the same notebooks. I have just a ton of, I have a ton of them. And I got them years ago because they said, they said wizard on the front of them. Nice. And I was like, this is great, but it's an, it's an Apaca notebook. All right. So these are fountain pen notebooks that I get from, I'm telling you all the details. I get these from jetpens.com. All right. They are very nice premium notebooks, very thick paper to hold fountain pen ink. And then what I do is before the games, before we run the games, it's usually like three, two to three days before the game. Uh, what I do is I write down in my notebook, I, I follow a very specific format. And I obviously I write down what the session is. Um, and then I write down events. These are things that I want to happen in the game. All right, they're just bulleted items, and they don't always happen. So in the next weeks, I may rewrite those over in the next days. All right, and then uh, what I will write is a just a bulleted list of here are the NPCs. So you can kind of see, I mean, obviously they can't see because this is audio only, but I just have lots of bulleted lists mm-hmm. on here. And it's very shorthand. But then I do that using my uh, Lamy Safari fountain pen, all right, with a Noodler's Bulletproof Black Ink, okay? Um, that's what I use to write my session notes. These are the things that I want to happen. But then during the session, this is very important because I don't want to mix up what I prepared and what I wrote because I write it all on the same page. Because then what I do is I use my Pilot Pereira, fountain pen all right with noodlers cayenne red ink in it okay so i have black ink and red ink all right my black ink is what i prepped then with my red pen is i'm writing the actual session notes in the margins of my actual notes with red ink so then i'm writing all these like lots of shorthand for what actually happened and i'll cross off events if we didn't use them and because i have black which is what i started with and red what happened it just kind of lets my brain kind of my notes together um, in a way that I can then prep better for my next session. Because black, if it's not crossed out, that means, oh, we didn't do that. I can carry that over. That's an event that I can do next time. Red stuff is stuff that happened. But then what I do is I then use, that's my preparation in game notes. For I do also session recaps. And I use World Anvil for this because World Anvil has a really cool map tool that I can drop pins on so I can drop pins for different events that have happened. But I, I just do another bulleted list and I give my players, here's like the big like scene. Like they were just at this fall festival in our game. So I just had the, the title, the heading is fall festival. Then underneath of that is just bullets. These are the things that I want you to know. And then we go to the next scene, which is the next scene I called On the Road because they started on their journey again. And then underneath that, I had bullets. These are the things that they did. And then that's what the players get. All right. So they get a world anvil, uh, just a bulleted 
list. And then they can, with World Anvil, it's really easy to go previous so they can see previous notes. And then if they want, they can just pull up the map. So it's really just used for, it's really easy for at the table use. So, but that's how I do notes. Two found, two pen colors, one for one for notes, and then another one for actually in-game events. Right, we're going to put all those products in our Amazon affiliate link. So. You should. So but I want to be very specific because I do, like, I love writing with fountain pens. There's just something very satisfying about them. And then that adds to the, for me, I feel like I'm creating mm-hmm. at the table. So... Anyway, so the thing that I would take from that is to have a notebook for the campaign. I do like the idea of prepping in one color of ink and then taking notes during the game for things that happen in the in the other, and then go back and reviewing those before you prep for the next time, and then carrying forward. Like I thought they would go talk to the mayor, they didn't. So make a little note, and then so talk to the mayor is still on the board for what might happen this time. If they talk to the mayor, you put a line through it, and then you put notes like they killed the mayor. Okay. So yes. I guess now we need an election for the new mayor. You know, I, I do like that. That is sort of like a version of the color coded note cards, except I do different color note cards. You do different color inks, but I think there's a, actually sort of a heavy similarity in, in how that works. Yeah. It's really helpful too, because I don't, all of my major notes are written before the game. So my in game notes are just like shorthand and crossing stuff off. So it makes it really flow really easily. And my players are like, oh, well, how did he remember all this stuff? And I was like, well, I just wrote it down and then just wrote like next to NPC instead of wrote like writing like, oh, this NPC is dead. I just like write dead next to that NPC. It's just like, and then as I'm reading it, because I experienced it, that's just enough to jog my memories when I go to write my uh, session recaps for my players. But the big thing here is, I used to write in really like long form notes and everything, and it just wasn't helpful. It was cool and everything, but I found that bulleted points are just, you write full sentences in your bullets, but they were just so much easier for me to process at the table. And my players got so much more out of them too. Well, thank you, DM Disco Dan, and thank you, Mo, for the questions. Again, you don't have to wait for us to call out for questions. We'd love to get a, a backlog. We'd love to do just a full mailback episode, so you can email any of your comments or questions, concerns, to therpgacademy at gmail.com. Um, so any final thoughts here before we wrap up, Tom? No, I've been also, I didn't even talk about, I've been painting minis now, and mm. I, I, don't, this is, I don't know the format to talk about it, but I'm having so much fun doing that. Yeah, I, I recently kind of got started again. In fact, I'm getting ready to take a picture. I, I added some shelves to my wall to display all the minis I have that are unpainted. Um, I mean, I, I have a bunch of the old D&D ones that come painted, which are cool. But I have from that uh, Batman Gotham City Chronicles game and then both the Marvel United Kickstarters, I have easily 100 to 200 minis. I think I painted like maybe 15 of them. But I now have them out. They're displayed so you can see them. And that was step one for me because when they were just in a box in the corner, I was never going to paint them. So maybe now I will paint a few more of them. So um, we'll, we shall see. Tom, always a pleasure to have you on. I love talking to you about what's going on. We did have a question about spicy hot takes, but we're going to leave yep. that for next time. <laughs> um, and again, as always, you can send comments, questions, concerns to the RPG Academy at gmail.com. Please do consider becoming a patron. I get, I know money's tight for a lot of people. If you can't, no worries. Uh, but if you can, for as little as $3 a month, you can help support what we do here. $5 and up gets you all the free stuff. We do other stuff too for everybody, but the $5 and up is when you get three podcasts. 
Um, and then just remember if, you know, role-playing games are supposed to be fun. So if you are not having fun playing them anymore, that could be an indication that you're going through or having a mental health uh, challenge. So we have put in our show notes the links to the uh, text crisis line, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, and then the Trevor Project website. So get yourself or someone you know help if you think they need it. And then finally, finally, if you're having fun. You're doing it right. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.